And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Speaking of growing, if your company grows and it grows really fast, you're going to have to figure out how to hire people really quickly. Now, if you listen to the show a lot, you know, we talk a lot about hiring people and hiring the wrong people can really, really set you back. It can be distracting. It can be expensive. It can be frustrating, but hiring the right people can put your business on the rocket ship that's going to the moon. That's all where we're all trying to go to the moon, right? Speaking of going to the moon, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io because hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and as a platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today is someone else that knows a lot about hiring people, especially hiring at scale. I've got Preem Kumar. He is the CEO of Humanly. They specialize in human resource services, high volume hiring teams. Go to Human humanly.io. There's a link for that in the show notes, a link for fullscale.io in the show notes. Now, one thing about Prem and his company is they are also on our list of top Seattle startups here in 2023. So it should be no surprise that straight out of Seattle, Washington, we can say, Prem, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to, to be here and for this conversation. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and kick that off with a little bit about your own backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for introducing the company. As you mentioned, we help high-volume hiring teams uh, screen, schedule, and interview more efficiently and equitably. Um, my background um, started, I started my career at Microsoft. Um, I was uh, um, joining out of college. I was a high-volume hire myself, uh, so I had a lot of experience with writing expansive resumes and cover letters only to never hear back. Um Eventually, I did hear back uh, um, from, from Microsoft and worked there. Um, as, as I worked at Microsoft on the HR tech side, I started to realize that a lot of these professionals, whether it's on the talent acquisition side or HR side, it's, it's not that they were trying to ignore candidates or employees by any means. It was that they didn't have the technology to really engage at scale. And, you know, that's where my story started after, um, after having my first kid. Um, it was kind of a kick in the butt to... to Think about my passion and, and what I, the impact I want to make on the world, and I, I knew I wanted to uh, enter the startup world. So I left Microsoft after about ten years. Um, worked on a lot of great projects there. I was PM for our global HR portal, among other things. I uh, went to a company called Tiny Pulse in the startup ecosystem, um, focused on employee engagement. Um, and when I was at Tiny Pulse, I met my co-founder for Humanly. Um, long story short, but we felt uh, you know there was a lot of great um, tools out there uh, to help find candidates, um, source them, job boards. There's a lot of great um, applicant tracking tools, but there weren't many tools to help you really have better conversations with your candidate. How do you convert them better on Zoom? How do you 
um, hand automate a pre-screen. Um, so really, our goal is saving time for for high volume hiring teams, and that that's kind of kind of been been my background. Has primarily been in HR tech and talent tech. So when you talk about like high volume hiring teams, now this is this because um, I've got a couple. There's a couple words in the in the notes here that say entry level or mid level. Like, yeah. so what is a high volume hire? What is what does that mean exactly? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and there's a lot of different uh, de- people use different definitions for it. But uh, we kind of split our customers into two groups. One is on the hourly side, and the other is on the professional side. A lot of what we're doing is professional, so you can kind of think. Yeah, entry to mid-level support, operations, sales, where generally you're getting high applicant volume. So yes. instead of, you know, 100 resumes, 200 resumes, maybe it's three, four, 500. Um, one of our customers, Moss Adams, for uh, entry-level um, accounting type roles will get, um, a, I think, like 4,000 resumes. University hiring is a big, big high-volume high professional one as well. So high applicant volume is what I'm talking about when it's too many to really have humans engage with, with, uh, with all of the candidates that come in. Yeah. We've had to do a little bit we, at full scale. It's not, we don't really run into like thousands, like, but we'll get, you know, we'll get a thousand applicants in a month and yeah. some months, which, you know, for us is still pretty high volume. And in order to do that, we've had to create, you know, we're hyper-specific to software developers and software like leaders and, and testers, um, which, you know, makes it, it does make it easy to disqualify some, some people. Now keep in mind folks, when you're listening, when all of a sudden you put up a job post and you, if you even get like a hundred applicants for it, if it's just one position, you're like, Whoa, yep, yep. You go through a lot. You got to really kind of thin it down. And I, I was, uh, uh you know, admit some uh, recent travels. Um, I find time to go through the wall street journal app and I read articles that I probably wouldn't normally read because I'm stuck on a plane. Right. But uh, there was just an article recently about indeed who is known for hiring, but they have alienated all of their customers because they changed their billing model. So, and it was already kind of expensive to use a lot of this stuff, but keep in mind, like some of these platforms, um, you know, they, they bill you based on the number of applicants that come in. They give you a very short n- amount of time to say like, this is not a qualified applicant. And if you don't do that, you can end up spending a lot of money. So anything that, that can, it can, you know, get the right people in front of you. Now, as a business owner, you got to pay people to do that. You have to pay people to read the resumes. And then one of the things in there is we're all kind of subjected to human bias, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, cause that's the thing is like, it's your, the person that's looking at the interview, that's looking at the resumes. What are they, what are they biased about? When I say bias, I don't even just mean like that, you know, I think when some people think bias, they think along the DEIB, like the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. But some of this is just like being able to understand uh, for us, it's like technical things like this type of developer is also most likely this type of developer and yep. then that's the, the thing we have a hard time is, is getting, you know, our assessments take about an hour a piece and we have up to 50 of them, you yep. know, yep. so you get, sometimes you, it's hard for us to, we'll get someone that'll take one assessment and then really there's like a couple others we'd like to see them take. So we've had to spend a lot of time kind of like building our platform to route people in certain directions and stuff like that, which is to overcome kind of the lack of, of human understanding. So with that, I see you guys have, have, are working on 
some automation and AI type solutions to help do that. And I know that this is a, a big, a big thing. And, and, and while it's obviously gaining adoption, you've raised over $5 million and, um, and are off and running with that. But with, with that was, was the AI, was that the need to kind of cut through the human blindness when it comes to certain things or, yeah, I mean, a couple of things. So yeah, we'll use AI to get the right candidates to humans um, fast, to the right human faster. But in doing so, you're cutting through a lot of potential bias for sure. So you can kind of think of it where if you have, you know, thousands of candidates that applied, a lot of times too, um, in, in these high volume scenarios, you just have, our companies would only have the human time to get out to like 20% of the thousand that apply. And then that 20% will have a somewhat biased process, like you're describing. Yeah. And that 20% will have to wait a week to even talk to a human. And like you mentioned, humans might use shortcuts in their minds to kind of match and things like that. So, so what you're doing is now you have a hundred percent instead of 20% getting a touch. So it's, it is a, it is a piece of technology, but they're getting a, talking to a two-way chat where they can get their questions answered. So part of it too, is not just screening the candidates out or in, but the candidates screening the companies out or in. Um, Cause then, you know, by the time they actually get to a human, they already got their question about remote work answered. They already have their paid questions answered. So they know they want to be there. They're less likely to drop off later uh, on the bias side. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's very easy, especially when you're dealing with, We'll even look at certain pieces of data. The time of day you're looking at a candidate's resume might cause you to be more likely to take a shortcut or or create bias. So we're guaranteeing like a standardized two-way conversation for all candidates. And and another piece too that has been interesting for us is um, we're talking a little bit about, yeah, just the volume, but oftentimes, sometimes with like B2C companies, these candidates are, are their best customers too. So um, at, at Disney parks, for example, the average person that applies for a job there also happens to spend eight times more money at Disney parks. So um, by ignoring them, you're also ignoring your best customers if you're a B2C company. So I think there's you're paying in time and money to attract these eyeballs and applicants. So um, answering their questions and screening them in a non-biased way is important. But you're right. There's a lot of bias. We can men- me- measure in our chats how empathetic are they being? Are they using biased language? Are they matching um, um, based on things that are actually correlated to outcome versus things that aren't? So, yeah, it's an in- interesting thing. Yeah, I think one of the things that, that you mentioned, you got a great point, is is keeping people engaged. and. Yeah. I think as our company grew, one of the things that that we had to really step up the volume. So we we went through, you know, so we're, you know, five years old, essentially, this company. And in the first couple of years, it would take us about three weeks to get through our entire hiring process. And we would just, people would just kind of drop off yep. because of that. And the, their level of excitement for career change or your company or maybe they got a job somewhere else. And, you know, so the things that we've really had to do to, to keep them, keep that going, well, first off, shorten that process. But one of the things you mentioned was, was how quickly did they get to speak to a person? Yeah. And we put a big emphasis on that. Even if it was just in the beginning, like there are certain people that will, 
you know, they're in the, the, they might have, so we do have to have a human assessment and interview component, but we made that last. And some of the things we, as we evolved with our, and began to hire, hire at scale a little better, we're chopping some parts of the process out. Like we used to actually have a middle interview that we would have a, a software developer do with a specific subject matter expert, like another developer that was an expert at that subject. But we realized that if they got a certain, if they got a certain score on their assessment, almost 100% of the time that subject matter expert would recommend them for the final interview. So, but those little correlations, that's, that's what sped the process up a little yep. bit. Um, and also things like we're also the, uh, I'm the founder of gigabook.com and we, it, you know, we integrated that in the platform. So people giving people rather than having someone wait for a callback and scheduling an appointment, giving someone an option to schedule that because when they see it uh, down the road, whenever that is, yep. sometimes that's also that, that, that mental satisfaction that they have an upcoming event and they're not just stuck on that. But then I think one of the hardest parts was the, what is often referred to the sad path, which is the, sorry, you're not getting the job. Yep. How do you guys handle that part? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, probably the most underutilized pieces of like real estate on the internet is the, is the sad path email. So when you're saying, (laughs) you know, uh, the, the open rates on those emails are a marketer's dream because everyone wants to know if they got the job. So they'll, they'll open the email, but then it's just a few sentences, right? So um, there, so I, I think to your point, there's, and you mentioned it with matching before, where we, we believe in an outcome for every candidate. And the outcome might is certainly not going to be that you get the job for every candidate, but there could be another job. There could be some training you can put into the the, the follow-up email. One of the things we do, so after you go through our automated chats, you're then getting into a human interview. And, and just like you, I also believe that there is, um, you know, this is a human process and, and we need a human at the end. So our tool will then sit in on your, whether it's a Zoom interview or Teams interview, um, it will uh, write follow-up emails for you. So when you're in, when you're done with uh, the interview, you can go into your email box and have everyone you met with there. There'll be emails written for you, and that helps us have a good touch with the candidate, where it's based on the conversation you had. And we also have intelligence knowing that hey, in that follow-up email, we should mention remote work because we know that's highly. Uh, correlated to converting candidates at our company. So I think automating kind of the notes, the follow-up emails, um, that stuff's becoming um, more possible than it once was. And that allows you to have like a follow-up with the candidates that are in the sad, sad, that sad path, as you call it, uh, and, and, and basically not necessarily a fit. And the other thing too, is we know why you might've not been a fit. So if our chat talks to you and says, Hey, uh, you don't have your CPA yet, so that's not a fit for this accounting job. When do you get it? And they say it's in December. Then you can the tool can send an automated email in December and say, "Do you now have your CPA?" So I think it's that keeping the conversation going through automation. That's another thing that honestly, as a human, I just don't have time to keep track of every candidate I ever talk to. Um, and then the last piece that, that would be impossible. That's impossible. Yeah, would, yeah, yeah. Would, yeah. 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 No, I mean, I've yet to meet a human that can that can do that. There are people that seem like they might be able to, but it's just too many pieces. It's yeah. too many pieces and too many parts. And if you have, if you have a company or an operation that is continuing hiring, because like I think in some cases some people have 
organizations have an opening, they get flooded with applicants, they fill the job, and then that's not the case. But like, for we're talking about at scale here. So, it, you know, the company, like you mentioned, working for Microsoft or like big companies or anybody that's growing, maybe even humanly, you're kind of always hiring, mm-hmm. you know? And so that means it's kind of like, uh, there was, you know, like the, 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 you know, pe- people at the post office kind of go nuts sometimes because the mail never stops coming. It's never, it's never done. It just continuing comes and comes and comes and like, but that can feel the same way at an HR and a hiring office. I mean, it's the way at our company. I mean, a slow month is 600 applicants and that's a lot to keep up. And so you have 600 plus the month before, plus the month before that. And and then I think one thing that you just mentioned, if you want to hire at scale, remember the person you didn't hire today might be your candidate in a year or two years or whatever. So you got to find a way to not destroy your brand's impression. And that's where that sad path stuff kind of um, I mean, no one likes to hear they didn't get the job, but if it's if it's presented in a way that's respectful and respectful of people's time, you know, and let them know this is this is why. And I think if you tell you're telling people like, hey, this is how you can get better. If you're uh, some people are just going to probably say F that and be mad because they didn't get what they wanted. But I think a lot of people are also like, OK, I get that. I understand. And we do have some people that come back and and apply. So, so where do you find as the, as the, um, if you talk about the whole timeline of hiring, what's the most crucial part of it to keep the best people on board? Yeah. I mean, I kind of look at it similarly to when I started at Microsoft, I was in support and we measure a lot of things that are somewhat similar to recruiting. Um, time to resolution is similar to time to hire, but time to first touch was, was a big one in support. So how do you, and like you mentioned the time to the first human touch. Um, So oftentimes in high volume, just getting, getting them in a situation as soon as possible where you have a valuable first touch. And what I mean by valuable first touch is not just an automated message from an applicant tracking system, but getting them to a point where they can actually get their questions answered. So the quicker you can get value back to them and that that time to first quality touch. So after I apply, can I um, start um, a conversation within 24 hours where I'm getting my questions answered? And sometimes it's within you know, an hour or 30 minutes, but can you make it at max um, 24 hours where you're getting into a situation where you're able to get your questions answered about the job and um, and also getting screened and knowing kind of if, if you're going to be a fit or if, if you move to the next human step. So that's that's generally what we, we aim for. And that, that's been a big one um, for our customers. Yeah, certainly measuring overall things like um, time, um, the, the full time time to hire is a big, big metric. Um, Candidate experience is another metric. And one, one quick thing I'll mention is to the, the sad path piece, we actually will notice that candidates will rate their experience with our chats. It's about a 4.8 out of 5, but if they don't get the job, it actually only drops to 4.7 out of 5 because they get a quick no usually. So I think um, even reducing the time to a no um, can help you with an, from an experience as long as it's done respectfully. It's not like automatic no, but... Um, there's uh, there's some reasoning behind it. Yeah. So for us, the, the our first touch is maybe not a person. Our our actually our last touch is a human. Um, but for 
like a tech for like technical positions. And I think they're a little different than some of the stuff. Cause you know, I've been a, I'm a sales, I'm a self-admitted salesperson, Prem. I'm willing to admit it that I am a salesperson. Um, but salespeople are really tough to hire. Like, cause there's, uh, it's challenging. So there's not like, like they almost makes it feel like developer make making, it makes hiring developers feel a lot easier because there's like a tangible thing. Like you mentioned a CPA earlier, like here's the thing, if you're applying for a, an accounting job and, and that, and that's a, a key ingredient of, if you don't have it, that makes it pretty easy to be like, okay, this is not where you need to be. Uh, salespeople's kind of tough because if, well, okay, so you can ask 90% of salespeople will tell you that they're amazing. About 2% actually are maybe 5%. At best, I mean, like amazing, amazing, like, um, and then, you know, then there's a pretty, a pretty big uh, padding there between serviceable and terrible, because a lot most people salespeople are serviceable. But there's not, it's really tough to kind of gauge that and then selling different things calls for different types of personalities or different types of salespeople. There's really a lot that goes into it. So I, I feel for you on that one. Uh, you know, we're halfway through the show, so I want to remind everyone that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. I should point out, humanly.io, they've got a lot of a lot of great people and a lot of great product coming out of there too. So check out what they do now. After you do that, you can also remember the full-scale platform is going to help you define technical needs, see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Now, our platform matches. It's more like the we've already hired the people and our prospects come and they answer a few questions and it matches people up with you know different skills, tags, experiences. It's got a search engine of sorts, helps schedule help schedule an interview and kind of just streamline that process. Uh, it sounds to me like humanly is more the other way around where it's the tool that the hiring company will use to help interface with the applicants. Am I describing that properly? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Um, interface with applicants and then join the, the remote interviews that humans are doing as a next step. Yeah, the full scale team, they're already our employees. We've already hired them. I might have to start using Humanly to help us do that faster. But uh, that, that's one of that's one of the things, you know, we're talking to we're using that that uh, keyword that startups, um, VCs, private equity, entrepreneurs love this word scale. I think scale, the word scale and scalability are very misunderstood because there are things that are not as quote scalable as others and humans are one of them the nature of the term scalability it's not and the reason that you over this last 10 to 20 years you saw this love for enterprise software was the quote scalability of it meaning you could turn up non-human factors in some regards and see a big blitz in growth when it came to things. Um, hiring people is a lot, can be a lot slower and a lot more difficult. Now, um, it seems like you guys went through a very interesting couple of years um, in, in your timeline because you have a pandemic and then we had the great resignation. So we boasted a 93% employee retention rate in 2022, which was the year that everybody was quitting their jobs. Was that it? Was is that kind of movement in the marketplace good for your business? I would think it would be. 
Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting time. So yeah, we had, um, we raised our kind of first round of pre-seed money, right? Uh, as COVID hit, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, and then, um, yeah, the, the economic downturn. And then we were also uh, Silicon Valley Bank customers. So it went, went through that battle oh. as well. So um, a lot of a lot of stuff going on at once. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of depends. So we're, we're generally selling and most of our customers um, are, are not, not tech companies per se. Um, it, there's a lot of different industries. So we're not impacted in the same ways as, as some of the, what, what we're seeing with layoffs and big tech. Obviously, there's a lot of companies struggling. I mean, Usually it's a, it hurts us first, and then we find out how to make it an advantage. So at the beginning, during times of uncertainty, when people are downsizing, um, there's general apprehension. So our pipeline was hit a little bit, but we had a really strong growth here in 2022. And part of that is as people kind of got their bearings back, um, they wanted to do more with less, and they didn't have the the budgets to hire you know giant tech and people teams. So we're definitely a product that helps you do more with less. Um, it, it helps you take kind of one recruiting coordinator and give them the power of five, 10, 15. So that, that's, that's generally what we're going after. And to the scale thing, um, yeah, no, I mean, it is, you are right. Um, humans in many ways don't scale. Tech Technology can, can help you scale things, but it also can, you know, I, I look at technology as making things happen quicker, faster, more efficiently, but it can also make bad things happen quicker, uh, more efficiently and faster. So if you don't have a solid foundation, um, um, then you're catalyzing something that is already bad and making bad happen faster. So so I do think it's really important to first think about the foundation and then and then use things to, to make those processes scale. Yeah, I've read I've read uh, quite a few articles over the last few years talking about, you know, you get big companies, just big corporations that have hundreds of thousands of people and um, talking about how they had their own like internal tech or processes or something that was just skipping over like thousands and thousands of qualified candidates, you know, like basically not doing what you guys are doing and finding ways to take a look at stuff. And a lot of that was um, built in a, in a pretty simplistic way that, you know, where one answer that maybe shouldn't have been a disqualifier was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so and you get these companies that they're, you know, they're at their, uh, you know, making their quarterly reports and, and stuff like that. But we're not able to hire people fast enough. And someone else is looking at it like, you had 100,000 applicants. How are you not finding people? It's, is that a problem? Is it? And then, you know, some of that is, is that a problem with your hiring? Or is it a problem that you don't have the ability to train them? Or like, there, I don't know, there's a lot of components in there. So I think you guys are really solving, uh, really solving a problem. Um, now, but one of the things, and let me ask you this is, you know, and this, uh, you know, the, the, how, how, what are you guys doing to help the world of hiring HR, uh, and big companies even understand and know that you have something to help them? Yeah, I know. It's a good question. Um, um, hop, hopping on startup hustle podcast is one one of the things we're doing to get, get out there. Um, <laughs> uh, Good answer. I like yeah. it. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, d- definitely. Uh, and, and now that um, things are beginning to be back in person a little more, we're, we're definitely trying to show up at, at the conferences, uh, um, get our marketing going um, where we just partnered with Sherm. Uh, so we went to Sherm talent a couple weeks ago and, um, 
And uh, yeah, word of mouth is another. We have a lot of happy customers, so word of mouth is another big piece in addition to sales and marketing. What kind of what kind of training or um, um, exposure or experience practice? Like, what does it take? Like, if I want to sign up with Humanly.io at my company, what? And I'm the owner of the company, so um, I I'm not going to necessarily be the one that's going to do all of it because I've got this mid-sized company, right? And I mean, what am I going to have to go through to hook this up, to integrate it, to put it in? Like, what does that whole process look like? Yeah, integrations are really important to me. So one of the things when I was at Microsoft, one of my roles was helping startups integrate into Office and into um, the Microsoft ecosystem. And I know it can be um, if integrations are not seamless and easy, it, it could be the biggest, biggest nightmare. I had someone a prospect tell me a couple of weeks ago that they would rather um, get a divorce than change their applicant tracking system um, because it was such a pain to go through the reintegration. Um, obviously an extreme example, but but yeah, it, we make it pretty easy. So we already have pre-built integrations with most of the applicant tracking systems out there. Um, so really, um, Generally, we onboard folks in weeks to a month, um, so we're not talking multi-months here. Take you through a questionnaire, um, a, a little branding exercise, and then we will introduce you to the different chatbots we have for you that you can put on your website. Um, put, uh, all our chats have a unique link, so it doesn't have to be like a widget on a website. When you think of a chatbot, it's like on the bottom right corner of the website, um, but there's a URL for every job so you can that goes to a chat page so you can put it in sms uh you can put it in um social um but yeah generally we're trying to make that pretty streamlined and customer success and having a a team of account managers is very important to us so every customer will have a designated account manager who and they have their phone number and their email it's not like a, a general support email they have to message um so that that's another piece of making onboarding pretty streamlined. So so yeah, you book a demo with us, and we we then can get you set up in less than a month usually. Do you have to go through a customization process with the chatbots that configures or or gets them saying what the client or user wants to say, like particular answers or stuff like that? Yeah, good question. So we've kind of um, made this fairly we've broken it down so it's fairly straightforward where you'll have about 80 to 90 percent of it will be ours so if, if if for instance it's let's just say it's that accountant role we have our accountant chatbots let's talk to you know hundreds of thousands of, so you take that as a baseline we have a library of questions but then in onboarding when i mentioned that questionnaire we want this to feel like your brand so you you're you're you, the candidates don't know they're talking to humanly so we'll take your brand assets and then, yes, uh, we want to honor your hiring philosophies. So if you have, um, you know, we have a, a library of questions, but if you say for sales roles, coachability is important. Um, I want to, we have our own questions we want to ask. Um, they have the ability to do that, but you're not kind of going into a UI and typing out every question from scratch. You're more um, picking the general topics and then the wording and things like that. Yeah, we definitely have branding teams, especially at bigger companies that, want to make sure their employer brand comes through, which, which is important for us too. So, so all 300 of my employees are in the Philippines is are at this point, are you guys focused on North American, like United States hiring, or do you do anything international? 
Yeah, good question. We are we are moving a little bit more internationally, and we, we actually have a team in, in Vietnam, um, so we're in Asia a little bit just from a development standpoint and in addition to the U.S. Um, but yeah, most of our customers are right now in the U.S. or Canada. We are now beginning to get some in the U.K., and, and yeah, Asia is definitely an interesting one, particularly as we integrate with WhatsApp and um, maybe eventually some of the other ones like WeChat. Yeah. And for those of you listening, you know, anytime that we get used to what we do uh, and if you get an experience as a CEO or a founder, you're um, that is applicable to where you are. And then you get into international things where often things are 90% the same. And then there's like 10% different and that 10% different meaning just like different rules or laws or approaches and like when you ask, you talk about it, like, you know, like, okay, the, I think the common questions that we get, so we are all remote. So there's, uh, since the pandemic is, is this work from home? Um, and then, and then here's the thing, and this is where these things get tripped up. So candidates sometimes will look at something they'll be like, this company has 15 PTO days and this one has 10 PTO days, but the company with 10 PTO days pays 20% more. That is, that grossly outweighs from a personal income standpoint, the other company with 15 PTO days. So sometimes with that, so what one of the things with us is, um, you know, we try to bridge the gap because uh, some, some foreign countries have, have some very, very, like compared to what we're used to in the US, have some very interesting PTO practices, meaning like some of these I mean, some of these countries, they'll have like 50 days. You're like, when do you get anything done? Right. But, but these little nuances that go from, from country to country can have everything to do with whether or not you get people, you hire people. And I mentioned that situation where the other company has a few more PTO days, but the, the other company's paying a lot more. Uh, it's amazing to me that, that people, that sometimes people, especially people that are applying for, what we'll call smart positions don't always figure that out. You know, they yeah. look at that. So some, sometimes the, you know, we've had to kind of lay that out. And I honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look at humanly because we spend a lot of time trying to get people to really understand that dialogue. And here's the thing is you, we talked about salespeople earlier, but your recruitment people are salespeople too. Yep. You know, those, they, they, they need to be good salespeople because they're going to handle objections. There's a little bit of selling that's in there. It's like, and you have to have people, it's like, you mentioned the folks that worked at Disneyland. I would absolutely want someone working at Disneyland that was passionate about being a user yep. at Disneyland. You know, that's someone that's going to understand the landscape. They're also going to be like, Hey, you know, like they're going to interface with people and have a different vibe about them yep. and that matters because you know you don't want that you don't want the person that's like yeah i don't know it's snow white's over there you know yep. and like yep. so so you know getting that getting that there there's a lot of complimentary stuff that needs to 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 be in there so okay so we're 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 nearing we're nearing the end of our time here at startup hustle and you know, I'm just curious as, you know, we got very interesting conversation here, clearly have two founders that have a lot of expertise in, in hiring for much, much different things. Now, when you look at hiring, what are some things that are universal? 
Like whether you're trying to hire an army of cashiers or an army of developers, what do you think some of the things are that are universal when it comes to hiring just good people in general? Like the, the traits that you can't, you can't say like, like without these things, you probably have a weak candidate and I'm going to lead, I'll lead. So I'll go first. And I will say the one, one number one thing that we look for is passion. Are you passionate about doing the job that you're applying for? Yeah, yeah, I, I would steal your passion uh, uh, word there because that's a big one. I think um, coachability is important, mm-hmm. so humility and coachability. So whether it's a job that takes a lot of training or not, you want people that are learners that are going to involve in your organization. Um, but yeah, passion for sure. Um, I remember when I applied at Microsoft to start my career, that was a big thing I tried to show in, in my interview and, and it landed well. Um, but yeah, th- those are a couple I would say I'd add coachability to that. So, so that that would fall under the attitude yep. category. Yeah. Like just meaning like general. And for us, we have another one in there that so we when we at, when we get past our technical assessments and we're into the 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 personal interview side, uh, attitude and likability, which are kind of what you mentioned, which is coachability. And we have another one we call critical thinking, mm-hmm. um, which is the ability to spot a problem and, and criticize the approach in a productive way, you know, meaning like, I think one of the things that, um, that offshore developers, uh, have, uh, it, it worldwide, the biggest complaint is, that they aren't, that the, is a lack of critical thinking, meaning like they get a plan, they look at it and there's, oh, there might be problems with this, but then they build it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, that ability to speak up and say, hey, there's a problem here. Um, and, you know, that that's a big thing for us. Um, like, what about dependability? Very yeah. difficult to make, very difficult to measure in an interview. Yeah, it's hard to measure in an interview. Um, you know, you can start to see some early signals, uh, like you can measure like no show rates and stuff if you're already not showing up. But, but yeah, that, that's a big one for sure. Um, adaptability, particularly in the in the startup world, is important for us. And then one one thing we call like truth seeking, but like to me, this is really about um, having the customer's best interests in mind. So when you're solving a problem, it's not about whether the CEO's right or you're right or this person right, and at the end of the day, uh, the the truth is the customer's truth, not anyone, not any individual. So, there are you know ways you can test for how much someone really cares about the end impact, and that's where that critical thinking comes in too. Are you really thinking about is this actually going to? What, when, yes, you can literally do what's written on the piece of paper, but when an end user uses it, are they going to be delighted or not? And I, I think. Um, that, that customer mindedness is, is certainly a big one for, for any job, even if it's not directly customer facing. Yeah. And I think, I think one more that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention is just communication, you know, like in general and, and man, communication can fall under like six different top level categories and be its own. Yeah. Yeah. And the trouble you were talking about, how it's challenging to hire for salespeople, and they'll they'll say they're the the top. Um, really good communicators um, are also good at appearing very coachable, adaptable, and and passionate and stuff. So I think being able to to really assess good communication, but then also separate out some of those other things can can be hard. Yeah. 
People get it wrong with salespeople because, you know, I've always been chatty since I was a kid. Um, just like, and I've actually become less chatty as an, as I've grown older. And I think I'm just kind of like pick and choose those things. But a lot of times people, oh, that person's a great talker. They'd be a great salesperson. That is not what makes a great salesperson. A great salesperson is a good listener, a problem solver. They're empathetic on behalf of their their client, customer, or prospect. And when you can find a way to solve, if you find it, if you're looking for salespeople, you want to find someone that is a problem solver yeah. And and is able to look at the like what's the biggest problem that you're trying to solve at your business? And I ask that people, I ask that to people everywhere, Prem. Like I just like in general, and you know, what's the biggest problem you're trying to solve? And they're like, well, at work, no, no, in life, you know, like. And if you can find that for someone, and and you know, I find that the hardest and most va- the hardest problem to solve and the most valuable one is anything you can do that generates peace of mind. And that's where I'll kind of like segue to this like end because that's what your your platform does for these high volume stuff because there's that peace of mind. There's like this chaos of like a zillion applications coming in and then you have the anxiety as the founder or the owner, like are we even handling these properly? How are we doing this? And then let's look at the human component of your hiring and recruitment department, because look, man, that's just like a lot. And they just keep coming and they keep coming. And then like, you know, you got to deal with that. So if you can generate peace of mind in that process, now at full scale. And once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io. Go to the platform. It takes two minutes to fill out the form and we'll match you up with, with vetted software people. But that's the peace of mind we generate is people are anxious about hiring an offshore team. So we only hire about one in 35 candidates. You're paying us for the, to not, to not, to get the 34 out of the way to give you the one that has the peace of mind. You're like, okay, this is someone good. Cause really regardless, here's the thing is regardless of, of all of it, I'll be the first person to tell you that until someone shows up and does the job, you don't fully know if they're any good. Yep, yep. It's just the way it goes. I've had I've had the greatest what appeared to be like all star Hall of Fame type candidates show up for employment for an interview somewhere, and I'm like, wow, this person's amazing. And they show up, and it's it's not that they don't. It's almost always that they. It's not that they can't do the job. It's that they have something else calling them. Something else is going on in their life or in their reality, and they find a way to mess it all up because of that. And it's weird too, because in this, like that's evolved for me over time. Like I've actually had to fire a couple people at at a prior company because they couldn't stop text messaging. Like, I'm like how you're sending, like, there's no way you're not sending like a hundred text messages a day at work. Every time I look at you, you're texting and that's definitely not part of your job. Yeah. You know, so some of that, like, you know, it's like, you never know. Uh, all right. Anyway, once again, with me today, Prem Kumar, and he is the CEO of Humanly, humanly.io. Prem, I like to end my episodes of Startup Hustle with what I call the founder's freestyle. I like to give the mic to my guests and let them uh, make any closing remarks or statements, and then I'll have a few of my own. So is there anything you'd like to say to this, to, to the hustlers out there? Uh, well, thanks for having me. If you're um, at where I was in the journey about four years ago, and I would encourage you, so this is b- before I started, I would encourage you to just 
get started. That was that was the hardest part for me, kind of taking that first first step and jumping out. Um, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions about what we do, want to check out our product, or or just need advice on on the startup journey. Uh, my email is prem at humanly.io. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Congrats again on making it onto our top startups in Seattle. So by the way, that was like, so we do a new city every month and we realized we hadn't done Seattle. Uh, that, that was a, that was a beefy, uh, list of competitors you had there. Um, I, you know, as we try to narrow that down, um, I mean, we were having a hard time, you know, we normally kind of get it down to about 20 before we get down to 10 or 12. And uh, yeah, there was a lot to choose from a very robust market. Um, I, I, my statements on the way out are, look, if you want look, great companies, you want to have an all-star company, you need to have an all-star roster. If you want to have an all-star roster, you got to get good at recruiting people, which means you need to have the best offer. Okay. There's no secret sauce. There's no, there's no AI platform or staff augmentation platform or anything that's going to get past the fact that you have a shitty offer at your company. Meaning like, it's not a great place to work. It doesn't pay that well. Like, I mean, part of the reason that we have a 93% retention rate at full scale, I pay better, pay better than everyone else. I removed some of these things. So like, so if you're trying to find platforms like Prems or like, or like full scale that are just going to, that are going to deliver dump trucks of the highest talent willing to work for the lowest rates, that's not how it works. It's not, it's really not. So it starts with the offer. It starts with your company culture. It starts with the way that, that you have, are building your company. And with that, get into good hiring practices. I'm all for automation and efficiency and organization, the way that Humanly is doing it. It's a lot to keep up with. And the thing is, is if you don't get this stuff right early and start trying to figure it out early, you're going to get to the point that you dreamed of where it's time to go, go, go. And you're going to realize that your rocket's on the launch pad without any fuel on it. So you got to figure these things out before you truly need it you know, the great companies don't figure it out at the moment they realize that, oh, we really need to scale up. You got to keep an eye on this along the way. Uh, the reality is, is that people come and go. It's the, it's, it's the nature. People that you hire uh, that don't own equity in your company are probably going to end up working somewhere else someday because that's just kind of the way it goes. If you keep people around for 15, 20 years, congratulations. It's still hard to do. Just be prepared for that kind of change and just know that it's be professional about it. Kareem, thanks for joining me, man. I love what you're doing up there. Thank you so much for having me. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.